This podcast is generously supported by Classic Hits 92.7 and your station for news, information, and community 100.3 FM and AM 1490. I'm Zach Stevens. You are listening to In Focus, production of the Insight Photography Project. Uh, I'm sitting here today with Bob George, who has been photographing for more than 50 years. His work has been published in Time, Newsweek, Fortune, Sports Illustrated, Yankee, Vermont Life, and many other periodicals. Bob has a couple of books as well, or has been printed in a couple of books. And his work has been exhibited at the Bradbury Museum and Art Center and at galleries and public spaces throughout southern Vermont. Hi, Bob. Hi. How's that? <laughs> Tell me a little bit about how you got started in photography. Well, aside from using a camera in 1952, which I found and still have the negatives, I didn't really start taking some photos until my mother told me I needed a camera when I went into the Peace Corps. I didn't own a camera before that. And uh, she bought an Argus C3 for me, and I took it to Bangladesh and uh, took a lot of Kodachrome slides. And then I was with a bunch of guys who knew stuff about photography, and they said, oh, you should shoot some Tri-X black and white, which I did. And I mainly photographed the people around me there in Bangladesh. and some of the conditions of the uh, boats on the river, that sort of thing. Well, my camera got stolen and that was, I still have all the negatives I shot on the slides, but uh, my camera got stolen and I didn't really start again until after I got married, and which was in 1965. and. My wife had studied photography in Indiana, and she, we went to a Francis Flaherty film seminar uh, in New York. Uh, Francis Flaherty was the father of documentary filmmaking, and he lived in Dummerston. He wasn't alive at that time, but uh, we went to a film seminar and saw documentary films for a week. And my wife had always wanted to do something like that, so she said, well, you should learn photography. So she went to Lewis R. Brown here in Rattleboro, and she bought me a twin-lens Yashica. And I started photographing with that. And uh, that led to me getting... I didn't particularly like the camera. So it led me to getting a 35-millimeter Pentax, which I, I liked a whole lot more. Too bad, because uh, if I had really learned how to use the Yashica, I think I would have been better off. But anyway, I began taking photographs at the Experiment in International Living uh, when I came back from the Peace Corps. And uh, really, that's where I got my start, because they needed photographs of the school and the students, and uh, I started doing that. Then I got into sports photography. So I photographed a lot of cross-country skiing, and Johnny Caldwell wrote a book on cross-country skiing. He was the Olympic coach. And so I illustrated one of his books and another book from Canada 
on cross-country skiing. And then I got into bicycle racing, and my wife started a publication on bicycle racing, and she did that for 18 years, and I worked for her for 10 years, taking photographs of bicycle races. Went to England, went to Venezuela, went to Mexico, went around the country photographing bike races. And uh, after 10 years, I was tired of it. And then I started photographing Brattleboro and with the aim of really learning something about photography because I didn't consider that I knew very much um, at that point, having never had any formal schooling or training or anything. Even after all of that time photographing for books and some different publications, you still weren't confident in what you were doing? Well, my sense was that there was a whole other world out there work that people were doing and I was curious about it and you know I started buying books and uh, was curious about what other people were were up to. Well, you started photographing Brattleboro and has that been a bulk of the work that you've done or that you feel you've done? Yes. Insight, the motorcycle shop, uh, teenagers, these these were not projects, they just were something that I did. I've never had a project. A friend of mine said, what do you mean you never had a project? You've been photographing Brattleboro. Isn't that a project, you know? But I just do it because I'm here and the place is interesting. You know, there's a lot here to photograph, so that's what I did. I've seen that a lot of people pick out projects and they stick to one project throughout the duration, but then there's other people, they just go out and start shooting. And as they shoot, they, there's something that draws them to it, and they keep shooting and shooting and shooting, and eventually it turns into something that they had no idea what right. it was ever going to be to begin with. Um, so it almost seems that there's two different ways that a lot of photographers will work. And so maybe, and, and you're, you kind of work in that way of just photographing whatever you feel like photographing. Is mm -hmm. that true? Yeah. Uh, it's interesting. Uh, one thing that happened to me was that over the years, I photographed a lot of public works people uh -huh. and little construction projects and things like that. And I, I mean, I, I, I thought it was interesting and I thought they were sort of ignored. In, in a way. And so a couple of years ago, um, Chuck Fish and Wayne Carhart approached me and they said they were thinking of doing a book on public works and they'd like to see some of my photos. So they looked at my photos and they saw them all and they said, oh, they're, they're good, you know, we like that. But then they went on their own and Chuck is an accomplished digital photographer now. And he also knew how to do a book because he'd done books before. Uh -huh. And he, he just wrote out a script of what they had to cover to, to do justice to public works. And they did a wonderful book. And it made me feel like I never wanted to photograph public works again. <laughs> you know, after that, I said, they don't need any more attention. I mean, Chuck did such a great job on this book. You probably don't have a copy of it. Here. I do, actually. He just, he just yeah. dropped one off two weeks ago oh, in my did. office. Yeah. Okay. So you saw it. I mean, he covered all the things that they uh -huh. did and 
or they do, and uh, and did a good job. I mean, he was out there in the middle of winter at night taking snow removal pictures and that sort of thing. And so uh, I don't take any pictures of public works anymore. But you, so you used to take photos of public works, yeah, but now yeah. that that somebody else came along and right. you, you like the yeah, work that I they did, you know. I don't feel like I really need to, you know. Do you, so that's interesting that I would think of that as historical recording of, of kind, that I thought that way. And I don't think that way all the time, but it's just, you, you tend to think of different things, I think, when you're out photographing, but you never know what it's going to be. With that in mind, what do you see your work mostly as? Is it, is it art or is it documentation? Or is it a mixture of both? I see it as documentation. Just showing what's there. And showing what's there, hopefully in an interesting manner. And that would be a, a well-made print, good composition, uh, justice to the subject matter, uh, showing it well. And... And that's about it. I mean, Lewis Hine did that. He was so good at just showing things the way they were, you know. And, mm -hmm. and, and you, when you consider the equipment he worked with, he did such a good job. What, what was he working with, do you? Uh, I had a picture of him with a 5 by 7 glass plate. Um, yeah. This was World War One. Right. He went to Europe and he took photos, and it was a reflex camera that you looked down into. But I think later on he used a, a Graflex, like Margaret Burke White used, where yeah. you're looking down into this big hood, and it's probably a four by five. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's what she used quite a bit, and I think he used that too, probably when he was doing the Empire State Building. But just clear photos that show things well. Uh, nothing, nothing extreme. Nothing too distorted or anything like that. Respect for the materials of the film and what it can do. And you know, there's some Japanese photographers who take photos and they emphasize contrast and. Uh, just very dramatic-looking, strange-looking photos. You know? uh -huh. and some people really like that. I mean, this is what's fascinating about photography. There's so many different kinds. That's not the way I want to do it. And some of the students here at Insight, they, they just love a number four filter, you know, uh -huh. and, uh, or number three. They like to make a contrasty-looking print. Yeah. That's true. So you're touching a little bit on something I want to talk about, and uh -huh. that is through all these years you've stayed pretty committed to shooting film and making prints in the darkroom. Mm -hmm. Can you talk a little bit about why you're still doing that? A part of it was uh, the fact that I could print photos and have a, a piece of evidence that I could hold in my hand or put in an album or look at and color. I shot I shot a lot of Kodachrome in bicycle racing. And I, uh -huh. I did it 
uh, as an afterthought, usually when I felt in a race that I got all the good black and whites I needed, I would start shooting color. And that's how I got in Sports Illustrated, having, you know, a double page spread from a Kodachrome shot. And also I had one in Geo, a double page spread. I don't know if you remember Geo magazine. I don't. Well, it was a really slick photo magazine. And so I would, I like color. I love color. And I had this little digital camera and, and I like my Brattleboro photos better in color in the digital camera as I see it on the iPad than I do black and white many times. But um, I can't print color. And mm -hmm. I don't want to get involved in trying to market my work in, well, how do you do it now? Online or, yeah. Yeah, um, all online. Yeah, I don't want to do that. And so that's, and the expense of it, I've always been very conservative as far as the cost of photography was always seemed extreme. So, so I stick with black and white. It's just something to do. And you know, black and white, of course, it has its own qualities, uh, which are dramatic, abstract, and very appealing in some cases. So there's always surprises, and this is what keeps you doing, you know, because there's always surprises and, and pleasure of finding things. And... That's all true. I think it's interesting how these things that might be limitations for you or that you might see as limitations, which have kept you shooting black and white film, lent themselves to this personal style for your work, uh, because you've kind of forced yourself to stay in this one area, which means that you've created all of this work in the same style, and it's not right. it's not mixed up with a lot of other things going on. Right. Okay, you talked about how you got into photography, but what is it about photography? that you really enjoy that keeps you making photos. You're out there pretty much every day taking photos, right? Uh, so what is it about the process? What is it about that photography in particular that you enjoy? Well, being out and finding things is the most pleasurable. And the, the hope that the neat thing that you find or the way the light is working on some building or some tree or something like that, the hope that you're going to turn that into a print that will give you pleasure, you know, and uh, you can share with somebody. So I just like the way black and white, you know, prints look and, well, color too, but we already talked about that. <laughs> I like the way black and white prints look too. Yeah. All right. You have 99 photos hanging in our gallery here at Insight. Um, and they, I believe, for the most part, cover the span from at least 1996 until present day, um, but possibly from, from 93. Yeah. Um, and Insight started in 92. So you've documented quite a bit of Insight over the years. Can you talk about your experience with Insight and, and why you've been taking photos of this organization that long? Well, we talked a little bit about this before, how I didn't think it was a good idea to teach people photography because of the cost 
and the fact that a lot of these kids probably couldn't even afford to have a dark room on their own in their own house. I think I see. I thought the whole purpose of the program was teaching photography. It turns out that that really wasn't the benefit of it. It was the benefit of kids learning something new and interacting amongst themselves that, in other words, it was social development, I think. And I didn't realize that in the beginning, so I wasn't that enthusiastic about the program. But because it was photography, I hung around and started taking some photos, and I said, well, you know, maybe they can use some of these photos to promote the program, because uh, that would be beneficial. Um, occasionally, I probably did help out in some of the classes, giving pointers or something. I mean, I, it's hard to think back now, but I know Helen, when Helen started, she came to me and I showed her how to make a pinhole camera, and we did that, and then she got a tripod, and she started taking photos in her house and things like that. And uh, I guess I showed her how to use a gray card, and, you know, I don't think she ever continued doing that. But uh, anyway, um, I probably liked some of the photos I took, so I started keeping them and eventually started albums just of insight. I enjoyed meeting the students. Um, the association with Insight gave me an in to the teenagers hanging around in in '99 and 2000, around in there, who were hanging around the Harmony lot, and Helen would tell them that he's my uncle, and he helps out at Insight or something. And, there'd always be one or two of them who were at Insight, and so they would say, oh yeah, I've seen him, or he's not just some weird old guy, you know, coming out <laughs> taking pictures. So so they got, so they accepted me, and I thought this was a, a great chance to document what they looked like. And they were wearing a lot of weird things then, in, in those days, and they had that candy, what was it called? candy jewelry or something, you know, all kinds of flowery pants and things like that. And Chris Miller was one of the frequent hanger-outers there at, in the Harmony lot. He had long hair and he just wouldn't communicate hardly at all. And I, I had always hoped that I was going to be able to talk to some of these people, you know, but it never happened too much, you know. So anyway, I ended up photographing them. And they were fine with it, which was really good you know, for me. So, so I was very happy that that became kind of a project and went its way. And I would, since then, I would occasionally take some photos of of teens hanging out over here on the bench. I think they took the bench away. Yep. Yeah. So, but aside from that, I don't. They're different now, so, yeah. That, that turned into a pretty interesting body of work, though. Do you feel that sometimes you can see your photos turning into a project, and then you do feel an ending coming, or do you know when you want to end, or what is it that keeps you from photographing the same thing forever? 
I do get tired of, there, there are times when I'm not seeing anything. And so because you're not seeing anything, you, you put off going out. And then you start getting a little discouraged, you know, about, well, maybe I've done enough of this and it's time to get rid of stuff and it's time to maybe slow down and not do, not do so much. But it can go on forever finding things that please you. Uh -huh. uh, and it's, it's probably a mental thing, a condition somehow of getting out of yourself and forgetting about yourself and photography and everything and just going out and seeing things and responding to them. And I have no idea how that works. I'm jumping around now. At one point in time, you told me about developing a roll of film in a brook. Oh, right. Can you tell me that story? That's when I was first married and I had the Yashica and I was shooting 120 film. And we had a cabin on Putney Mountain with a brook in the back, which was our water supply, actually. I would load the film under a sleeping bag on the bed and take pictures and develop it and take it out to the brook, wash it in the brook, you know, let the water flow off the top of a rock into the tank, and and that's that's what I did. And then I went down to the Experiment International Living, which was in Putney then, and they had a little bathroom, and I would go into the bathroom and make contact prints. I don't know how I did it, but Barbara mailed away and got me some paper from, it was the U, United States Army or something like that, and there were really? these companies that sold outdated paper and things like that. Uh -huh. I still have the prints I made, you know, little contact prints. And, uh, I didn't even have an enlarger then. Right around 1967, I think, I, I got an enlarger and started making prints. I had a little dark room at SIT in one of the dorms. So you don't have any formal training in photography? No. How did uh, how did you learn the whole process? Uh, just from books and mm -hmm. maybe my wife, I don't know what she taught me. And looking at, you know, looking at other people's work, that always helps. Yeah, I can't, I can't I can't remember. I mean, there were instructions that came with the film then. Cloudy bright, open shade, bright sun. Uh -huh. If you followed those instructions, I mean, you could come up with a decent negative. Those plastic ANSCO tanks had a little thermometer in the top, and you agitated the film by twirling the, the reel inside. Have you seen those? Yeah. Yeah. And that was it. Well, it seems to have worked out. Somehow. You're a fairly accomplished photographer. Everybody uh, respects your work, and and what you have to say. Yeah, that's why I was always interested in Harry Callahan because he didn't seem to believe in formal education too much. I think I think Lee Freelander felt the same way that his philosophy I heard him talking to a student once down at the Photo Resource Center in Boston. You know, Lee apparently developed his film by inspection. Have you heard of that no. method? 
Well, you have a, a red safe light. I think it's a red. No, maybe it's a green safe light. And at, when you're developing the film, you take it out of the, the, the reel or whatever. I mean, I don't know how they do this. And they hold it up to the safe light and they look to see how it's coming along. Really? Yeah. And it said that he did that. And when I first started getting film developed in New York City, uh, these custom labs down there, they said, developed by inspection. They all said that. So it said that Lee said that he did that. I told that to Fred Picker once, and Fred Picker said, what? He said, I hold a negative up in the light, and I can't tell how dense it is or anything. How is he doing this with this little green light in the dark? And Which made sense to me, you know. So Lee, so this student said to Lee, she couldn't do it, or she was having a hard time. He said, just do it. Just do it. Don't don't worry about it. Just do it. <laughs> and, and that was his... He's such a hard worker, you know. He makes all his prints and everything, and he just believes in just doing it, and you'll figure it out. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I never tried to develop film by inspection. It seems like a lot of work. Yeah. <laughs> I personally like to keep the process slightly more simple yeah, than I that. I know, I know. Time and temperature seems to work. I mean, <laughs> what, you know, I mean, Kodak had it all figured out, didn't they? Yeah. Yeah. All right. What advice would you give to a student, um, either f for learning photography or for their career or just for inspiration? I think that if they're interested in photography, they should go to a lot of photo exhibits. They should look at a lot of work. They should look at a lot of books. They should look at a lot of art for, for a sense of what other people do for visual things. If they get a camera, they should buy a simple camera with a fixed lens and they should keep it as simple as possible. They should just deal with the one fixed lens and what it sees and before they get into buying multiple lenses and zoom lenses and all that. I have nothing against all those things. I mean, it's just that you have so many choices when you're going to take pictures. And I think beginners maybe have a hard time recognizing what makes a good photograph. Mm -hmm. So maybe that's why they should look at other people's photographs and, and, and see what they like and maybe try to imitate them. The, the whole apprenticeship program in, in art where you have apprentices imitating masters, sooner or later they'll do something the way they want to do it. Right. Yeah. That's great advice. All right. Well, thank you, Bob. Okay. You're welcome. <laughs>